ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. He didn't cause the war and he isn't directly involved in it. Vladimir Putin has a lot to gain from the unrest in the Middle East. While the world looks to Israel and Gaza, Russia has ramped up its offensive in Ukraine, while President Putin seeks to insert himself as a negotiator in the Middle East. Today, Matthew Sussex from the ANU's Strategic and Defence Studies Centre on what Vladimir Putin has to gain from the latest war. Matt, the world has been consumed with the war in Ukraine for nearly two years now. And unfortunately, we're now faced with another war to deal with. It's a pretty terrible time. Well, that's right. It's a sign of the increasing disorder that we see around the world. Countries acting opportunistically, like Russia, sniffing weakness from the West and the chance to invade countries that will help it return itself to some kind of imperial glory on the one hand and on the other hand some non-state actors terrorist organizations saying well you know with everybody preoccupied let's try and drag israel into a, a bigger conflict in the middle east commit horrendous acts get israel to to react in kind and uh, effectively make it very very difficult for anything like peace in the middle east for the foreseeable future So I want to discuss with you what this new war between Israel and Hamas means for President Vladimir Putin and the war he's waging in Ukraine. But first, just give me a sense of where Russia sits in all of this. Whose side is it on in this latest conflict that we're seeing? Well, it's a really good question, Sam. And I think the answer is, without wanting to be too cynical, Mm. Vladimir Putin sees himself as being on whatever the winning side is. Russia has courted Israel for a a number of years. It has a, a large Russian diaspora in Israel and it has some degree of influence over Israeli politics. But on the other hand, it's also, you know, helped numerous countries within the region that don't get on well with Israel at all, uh, particularly Iran. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Iran is the main sponsor of Hamas and it has you know, been responsible for training its fighters. The uh, The Russian relationship with Iran is, is very deep now. It buys Iranian drones for the, uh, the conflict in Ukraine. It buys Iranian Uh, artillery ammunition and and there's lots of uh, sort of diplomatic interchange between those two countries so Vladimir Putin I think sees this as uh, a quite welcome distraction of world world attention away from some of the things that his armed forces are doing and of course they've been absolutely brutal in their in their conduct in Ukraine Russia's also trained Palestinian fighters in the past, hasn't it, before Hamas even existed, so it goes back a long way. 
Yeah, that's right. It has a, a long history of being able to, uh, you know, reach into Palestinian society and, uh, you know, offer, offer paramilitary and military training. It's no stranger to this across the Middle East. It's, of course, done that in, as well in Syria. It's done it in Iran. Russia has tried to set itself up as uh, a sort of training provider of choice whether we're talking about, you know, terrorist organisations or whether we're talking, you know, some quite brutal dictatorships. Mm, all right. Well, let's go back to that notion that this latest conflict is benefiting Vladimir Putin, that the world's looking away from Ukraine right now. I can see he's been trying to act like some sort of mediator in all of this. No, not? Well, why not? We have very stable business relations with Israel. We've had friendly relations with Palestine for decades. Our friends know about this, and Russia, in my opinion, could also make its contribution to the peace process. What is that about? <laughs> well, look, I mean, I tend to think that part of what Putin is doing you know, by offering himself as a great peacemaker of the region, somewhat disingenuously, mm. is that he's a bit concerned that uh, China has had increasing influence diplomatically uh, within the Middle East, kind of in general. So China, you know, importantly brokered a peace deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran, uh, two countries that have been absolutely at loggerheads. And I think this would, was viewed in Moscow as, as kind of treading on, on its turf. It had said for years, you know, we will help you out of your, your, your diplomatic problems and, uh, you know, your, your contests with other countries. Don't go and uh, rely on the West because the rest, West ultimately will throw, you know, leaders under a bus. And now you have mm. China becoming active in that space. Uh, I think there's, there's an added incentive for, for Putin to say, no, hang on. Uh, we're the ones that do the deals in the Middle East, not Beijing. Mm. What else is of benefit from this war for him, for Russia? Well, it gives him the opportunity um, to potentially do that peacemaker role. Now, I'm not saying that Russia will be you know, at all successful in bringing those sides, different sides to the table. Where it does suit the, the Russians also is that it makes the prospect of a, a compact, an agreement, if you like, between Saudi Arabia and Israel quite difficult to, to push through. Now, it was moving in that direction that Israel and Saudi Arabia were finally you know, coming to a, a position where they could have something like a normal relationship. This uh, war, regardless of what you know, the terrible things that Hamas fighters did to Israelis, the Israeli response puts a lot of pressure on people in places like Saudi Arabia, in Lebanon, to uh, to say, well, you know, this is this is Israel that ultimately is is you know, the holding the whip hand and causing more damage. And from a Russian perspective, that actually suits it quite fine, because it, it makes the Middle East even more fragmented and it makes it even more riven. When previously um, it had been you know, a lot of effort by particularly the United States to help get Saudi Arabia and Israel uh, to a sort of common position, um, to help moderate the views of uh, some of the Gulf states as it comes to, as it pertains to Israel. Um, and, and this upsets that apple cart and it makes the diplomatic job of the United States much harder. Uh, and from a Russian perspective, absolutely, that's a win. 
Of course, Ukraine has been heavily dependent on weapons from the United States, on military aid. So will anything change there now, do you think? Yeah, I mean, if it does, it will probably be more down the track. Israel is likely to request uh, from America some help with uh, military resupply. So, you know, as it shoots through things, you know, can we have some more, please? And there's, there's, I think, a slight difference in the types of, of military hardware that the United States would be providing to Israel comparative to what it provides to Ukraine. Generally speaking, what it's giving the Ukrainians is uh, you know, older equipment. What it would be providing to the Israelis would be very high-end uh, type of stuff. So as an example, the Israeli Air Force has been very, very active in shooting missiles and you know dropping bombs all over Gaza. So, you know, if the United States is providing uh, air-to-ground missiles to the Israeli Air Force, that's not something that's a huge issue at the moment mm. for Ukraine. Yeah. But if it extends to things like, you know, artillery ammunition, then there is a worldwide shortage of it. We've seen Vladimir Putin having to cozy up to Kim Jong-un in North Korea, going all the way to Vladivostok to meet him in order to uh, to do a deal to replenish the phenomenal amounts of artillery uh, ammunition that the Russians are shooting at the Ukrainians. You know, 12.5 million shells last year mm. and 7.5 million this year. But that's only part of the story because the West is also short on the, those types of munitions and is finding it difficult to meet Ukrainian demands. And if, in fact, Israel says to the United States, well, you know, we have a deficit here that we need to fill, then that might stretch uh, America's ability to, to resupply both at once. I can see the U.S. is considering an aid package for Israel. I'm going to send to Congress an urgent budget request to fund America's national security needs, to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine. It's big, big money. President Biden's urgent request to Congress asking for extra funding for Israel and the war in Ukraine amounts to more than $100 billion. Hamas and Putin represent different threats, but they share this in common. They both want to completely annihilate a neighbouring democracy, completely annihilate it. Matt, key here also, of course, is the relationship America has with Israel. We saw last week the US President Joe Biden visit Tel Aviv. I come to Israel with a single message. You're not alone. You are not alone. As long as the United States stands and we will stand forever, will not let you ever be alone. How would Vladimir Putin view that? What's the significance of that relationship at this point? Well, the American relationship with Israel is something that is has always been very, very important in the United States. And I think there's you know, not just a, a strategic aspect to it, but, you know, certainly a, a sort of values and emotional attachment to uh, America's commitment to, to make sure that Israeli security is upheld. Now, in practice, of course, that can uh, mean that the United States does support Israel when it does things that, in the eyes of, of many, are quite brutal. And its its response to Hamas uh, moving into to Gaza has certainly not been one that's preferenced humanitarianism. It's been one that's been a military operation, first and foremost. I think what the, the Russian government sees here is an opportunity to pass on the message or amplify the message, well, you know, the United States jumps up and down when you know, we do things to Ukrainians. 
but is quite happy to uh, to allow Israel to to create a humanitarian emergency in the Gaza Strip. So Vladimir Putin, I think, sees this as uh, a quite welcome distraction uh, of world world attention away from some of the things that his armed forces are doing. And of course, they've been absolutely brutal. I think Putin sees that as, as ultimately a pretty good thing. Mm, so tell me, what do you think if this war drags on in the Middle East, what's it likely to mean for Russia and its war in Ukraine? Does it change the dynamics dramatically? I think it changes it somewhat, but not hugely, assuming the West is able to continue to supply the Ukrainians. Then there you know, certainly is the prospect of the Ukrainian armed forces retaking more of its, its territory, liberating it from the Russians. Whether that's sufficient to return all of its territory, I'm not sure, and I certainly wouldn't be, uh, be prepared to, to bet on it at the moment. We've got not just one war to deal with, you know, a nasty campaign that's cost a lot of human lives and, and you know, resulted in heaps of suffering, but now a nasty new one as well in the Middle East to, uh, to deal with. Matthew Sussex is from the ANU's Strategic and Defence Studies Centre. This episode was produced by Nell Whitehead, Bridget Fitzgerald and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Listening.